came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. And what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast from outer space. It's episode 74. And first off, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone out there that's been uh, buying up those bandanas, all our gangbangers out there in the Loyal <laughs> Legion. Let's get into it, boys. It's a podcast from outer space. It's your boy, Rob Scott. We got Adam Narlock, a.k.a. Teabag, in the house. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Aloha, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, today, boys... Getting into the crystal skulls, a little crystal energy coming your way. So you know, blessings from whatever higher power you may believe in. Yes, today we are getting into a classic ancient legend known as the crystal skulls. Now, I'm sure that if you're listening to this podcast, then you are probably familiar with uh, the best Indiana Jones <laughs> film. Am I right in that, guys? You might be alone in that. But. Uh, now, this explores this very topic. And if you aren't and you have no idea what the fuck this is, uh, basically, crystal skulls are carvings resembling a human skull, obviously, made of clear or milky white quartz, claimed to be pre Columbian Mesoamerican artifacts. Uh, now, claimed. Keyword yes, this, this is claimed by those who, quote unquote, found them. Now, I'm writing this thing, and basically this whole episode is in quotes, okay? So so let's put our quote hats on. Now, crystal skulls... Quotes like you're, you're saying what other people said, or quotes like take this with a grain of salt? Yes, take it with a grain of salt. Okay, okay. Air quotes around yeah. everything Ryan's saying. Air quotes around a lot of this stuff. Now, crystal skulls became particularly popular within the New Age movement, and... Uh, uh, just what the hell is that? Well, we'll get there, buddy. Just hold your horses there. Um, now, if I had any, I would. They are often claimed to exhibit paranormal phenomenon, and on the flip side, members of the scientific community claim that of the skulls examined, they were most definitely manufactured in the mid nineteenth century or later. So, there's a little debate uh, going on as to just the legitimacy of these skulls themselves and what the hell is going on here. Um, and we intend to get into all of this in today's episode as we will discuss the legends, history, science, myths, and blatant lies surrounding these quote-unquote sacred crystals. And I'm thinking to start us off here, we discuss the power of crystals as a whole, maybe even the law of crystals, because this keeps coming up again and again in my research, law of crystals, law of crystals. Now, Rob... <laughs> You're our quote-unquote lawyer here. <laughs> what do you know about crystal law? Oh, there's no air quotes around that. Well, I am, can... in fact, the lawyer of the podcast. Self-proclaimed. Here. Now, what can you tell us about crystal law? Uh, well, in this case, the crystal law applies because it's saying that the people that, you know, air quotes again here, found these skulls are saying that um, there's no way that they were created by lapidaries which is you know that's a dog (laughs) that's a uh, (laughs) that's a tool used to carve stones oh okay and uh you know some people want to believe that these were not used and this is a natural occurrence which obviously you know someone had to carve these fucking skulls they didn't just pop up you know 
20 fucking skulls just popped up in the earth. Naturally. So what's then what's the law of crystals? What's the crystal law there? It's basically just saying that uh, for the most part, crystals are... A true crystal is natural, a naturally occurring thing in the earth. The, the, the people that say that they found these are saying that this is like 100% natural. There's no markings on it that like to the human eye can show that they were like man-made, which, you know, we'll get to later in the podcast. Okay. Um, Isn't it like the whole, like matter can neither be created nor destroyed. And then there's something about how like, the shape has to be consistent throughout the crystal or something like that. Yeah. That I, I, what I found now, again, I'm not a lawyer. Um, this is why I was leaning on Rob more for this. It was something about the shape of the molecular structure or something yeah. in the crystal. Um, but that's neither here nor there. That's hearsay. Uh, <laughs> and basically, I'm fully in at this point. You know, I got my crystal ball. And he does have got a some crystal Santa ball, Rhea. everyone. I got my crystal ball. I've been sleeping with rocks on my head. I got my... my I got uh, my, You've been sleeping with rocks on your head. Yes. Time. <laughs> and I got my crystals. <laughs> Rob's got his crystals. We're fully into crystal energy. Um, I hooked up with a girl named Crystal. Is that... Now that might count. Is that with a K or a okay. C? I didn't ask, honestly. <laughs> have you been eating at Crystal down there in the South? Crystal Burger, he's referring to. Oh, yeah. Huh? Crystal Burger. Maybe that was her name. <laughs> so, you fucked a hamburger. A new age American pie. Let's get on here, with everyone. It. All right. So first on, let's get into <laughs> let's get into a little history on crystals, energy, new age type shit. Because to understand the legend of the crystal skulls themselves, we need to understand the power of crystals. Now, here's a distinction because teabag, you were saying earlier something about matter being created, destroyed. You need to make a little distinction. Some here. scientific thing. Um, yeah. So when we're talking about energy from here on out in this episode, this is not the first law of thermodynamics. Energy can be changed from one form to another, but it cannot be created or destroyed. Is that what you're referring to? I think they were comparing this to the law of crystal, but I also don't know how to read. Yeah, Maybe but I, what that. I'm what I'm saying is the when we say energy from here on out, we're not talking about this type of energy. This is something totally different, totally new age in and of themselves. It's like ley line energy. Energy with quotes around it. Got it, got it, got it. So now let me kick this to you guys. When did you first hear about crystal skulls, um, if at all? What are your thoughts on new age, crystal healing, energy, that type of shit? I mean, Rob, we know you're big into crystals. What can you tell us yeah. from your own experience? I fully believe in this shit, dude. And, you know, I can give you a quick breakdown of the uh, chakras if you'd like. Well, you can wait till we get to the chakras point. I'm just <laughs> saying from your own experience, like, what made you believe in it? Um, what experiences do you have with crystals? What can you tell us about crystals? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you that one time that I went to that crystal shop you took us to, I thought it was complete bullshit. Okay, and now you flipped. That guy honestly kind of freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, now that I've experienced it for myself a little bit, I'll say I, uh, you know, maybe I'm not 100% on board, but I'm willing to believe. Okay, believe in what? Do what? Tell us about the crystal. The power, <laughs> the power of healing crystals. Okay, so what? You just 
You I think, think that, uh, you know, the crystals may, depending on what kind of crystals they are, have a certain energy around them. And, you know, if you uh, believe in that sort of thing, maybe it can uh, heal you. Maybe it can help protect off, you know, ward, ward off some evil spirits. Okay. That type of thing. So you're big okay. into energy, um, positive positivity, that sort of thing? You got to be positive, bud. All right. Now, mm-hmm. now, Teabag, I know you yourself are into some of these ideals as well. Meditation, chakras, um, you know, um, so don't hold back. I mean, you know, what, what advice can you give us? What do you got? I mean, I dabble with the meditation. Nice little way to relax before bed. Actually, Rob, curious because, and I'm just, you know, I'm honestly asking, like, <laughs> when it, like you've used the crystals. Have you used them personally? Like injuries and shit? I, I've never done... Uh, full on like healing thing because I don't I only know a couple people that actually dabble in that and I myself do okay. not but I uh, I was having some uh, paranormal experiences you might say and so I got some more for like uh, protection purposes and I would say that they've been working doing their job mm. talked to the guy at the uh, local crystal no, see, shop that, that's the interesting to me that's something to look into Okay. Okay. So I'm just wondering, like healing, like for me, like I've never tried the crystals. I'd definitely be interested in anything that's going to help my body function properly. More of like a scent guy. Okay. So you're into like smell healing, aromatherapy, it's called. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Now, so maybe put a crystal, slap a crystal on your knee, go play some football. You're back to the old um, tea bag. <laughs> High school wide receiver. Yeah. So in terms of crystals, I guess crystal healing, as as Rob mentioned, is one of the big claims made, and it's basically an alternative medicine technique that uses semi-precious stones and crystals such as quartz, amethyst, or opals. And proponents of these techniques claim that these stones and crystals have healing powers. Uh, One of the methods involves placing crystals on different parts of the body that correspond to chakras. Now, these, these, I guess, come from Hinduism, and this is basically what a chakra is. is like different points of energy on your body. Now, is this, mm-hmm. I think my reading on this is like they're similar to ley lines, but on your body. Am I correct in this? Rob, what can you tell us about chakras? Uh, it is similar to that, but you have to, from my understanding, and you know, I'm no crystal wizard over here, but... Uh, <laughs> You have to place different stones corresponding with the different uh, areas of your body. So there's seven points, which would be the crown, the third eye, the throat, the heart, the uh, solar plexus, the sacral chakra, and the root. Okay. So Don't forget a, the whispering eye. Well, I, I believe that falls under the category of sa- sacral. It's pretty that makes cl- sense. It's pretty close. But uh, there's basically different stones correspond with different parts of your body and will affect the different part of your body in a different way. Okay, so now what if you flip them? Like, what if you go reverse stones with different chakras, mismatch? Well, that's going to fuck you up. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> now, uh, good question, good question. Yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to learn on this one. So you're going to feel like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You're going to get flipped, turned upside down. <clears throat> okay. Now, other common methods involve placing crystals around the body in an attempt to construct a sort of energy grid, which would surround you with healing energy. Now, that's also an option, but I'm not too familiar with that one. 
Okay. Is well, this like Robin Big when they did like Sacred G and shit? Kind of, yeah. I, I'm not. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember the episode right off the top of my head, but we'll say yes. So the idea of crystals possessing some type of energy, um, whether it be healing or what have you, you know, this is not an, an original thought to the New Age movement. This goes pretty far back as uh, minerals, gems, and crystals have been used for millennia to enhance emotional, physical, and spiritual balance. Since in, the beginning of time, one might say. One might say. Now, in ancient Greece, the word crystal is believed to be derived from the Greek word krustuyos, krustulos, uh, meaning ice. And until the 1500s, many ancient people believed stones like clear quartz crystals were eternal ice sent down from the heavens. Now, even in the Roman Empire days, Pliny the Elder and Galen claimed that certain crystals had medicinal properties. Now, these guys were essentially like Roman Empire philosophers, that type, like the guys you see with the curly hair carved out of marble in museums and shit. That's like these guys. <laughs> now, Not too good at picking names back then. Now, talismans and amulets of crystal were often considered useful in enhancing health attracting desirable things, and providing protection in battle. Uh, Pliny the Elder also describes the use of crystal balls by soothsayers in the first century, and this became known as scrying or, you know, fortune-telling, crystal-gazing, that type of shit. Is that why you got your balls? Yep, that's why I got two <laughs> balls that I gazed into. <laughs> now, uh, even the ancient Egyptians were huge proponents of crystals. Uh, they buried their dead with quartz on the forehead in order to help guide the dead safely into the afterlife. Is that what you've been sleeping with on your head? Exactly. You know, I'm mm. fucking astral projecting. Now, pharaohs used cylinders filled with quartz to balance the ba and ka energies of the body. They also place crystal-laden crowns upon their head to stimulate enlightenment and awaken the third eye. Now, also, there's a whole pyramids theory involving crystals. Do you guys remember this? We discussed this at length in our pyramids episode. The pyramid scheme? Um, now, this is far <laughs> too complex to get into here, so check that episode out for more information. It's basically like... Um, this one guy's interpretation of the pyramids based on some text um, from like the people who invaded the Egyptians. They smashed all these giant crystals that were inside the pyramids. And his theory was that they had put all these crystals throughout the pyramids to create some type of vibrational energy made essentially like a giant weapon. And that's what the pyramids were, were basically for. Um, it's, I believe the book is Giza Death Star. Check that out for more information. Now, the Chinese, um, the Chinese, uh, Chinese medicine also commonly incorporates, incorporates the use of healing crystals, uh, inv including crystal-tipped needles for acupuncture healing sessions. Um, these traditions stem from practices nearly 5,000 years old. And the Hopi Native Americans of Arizona use quartz crystals to assist in diagnosing illnesses by looking, quote unquote, at a patient through the crystal to pinpoint the root of the problem. Now, even the Druids believed in what were uh, referred to as stones of power, 
Among these were crystals, and this is where we also see crystal balls, um, seeing fortune telling, uh, foretelling the future, seeing visions in the ball, that, that type of shit. You're asking me to predict the future. Yes. Now, in Europe, the belief in healing powers of crystals, and in particular crystal amulets, persisted into the Middle Ages. Um, the alleged medicinal properties of precious stones, as well as other powers they were believed to have, were all connected. Were all collected into texts known as lapidaries. Um, this was popular in medieval and early modern Europe until the 17th century. Now, this was essentially like a book, a collection of of texts that uh, you know expanded on on these thoughts and uh, ideals. It's basically, old encyclopedia on crystals. Crystalpedia. Yep, that's exactly correct. <laughs> now, the New Age movement. Let's get into that because, Rob, you were asking about this. Now, for those that don't know, the New Age movement drew heavily upon a number of older esoteric traditions, in particular those that emerged from occult traditions of the 18th and 19th centuries, combined with ideas of Freemasonry, the spiritualism movement, uh, theosophy, Throw in the UFO craze of the 1950s, the counterculture movement of the 1960s, and these all kind of came together to more or less form what we know as the New Age movement. Mm. Now, the exact origins of the New Age movement are still debated, but there is general agreement that it became a major movement in the 1970s, centered mostly in the UK before expanding in the 1980s and 90s to the U.S. and other parts of the world. Now, in the U.S., um, so New Age movement, you know, this is like the guys, uh, this is like basically hippies. Now what we see as hippies, they're into crystal healing. Like you go into a store, they're selling incense and those coexist bumper stickers. Age of Aquarius and playing in the background. Yeah, that type of shit. Uh, now, now in the U.S., uh, demand for overseas crystals and gemstones, specifically quartz imports, have doubled since 2014. Mm. Mm. And apparently, the more high-end crystal dealerships make between 30 million and 40 million in sales each year, catering to a growing demographic of celebrities, collectors, and investment buyers who seek rare and valuable crystals. What have we been doing with our lives, boys? Exactly. <laughs> I'm telling you, you need to get into the crystal game. This continues despite the fact that there is no scientific basis for the healing properties of said crystals. Now, Rob, didn't you have some... You were telling me something about Drake buying some crazy expensive crystals or something. Is this correct? Yeah, I'm trying to find the uh, guy's... The gentleman's name that actually made these pyramids... Out of crystals for him. Okay, and he, what he paid like probably a mil per. Uh, probably close to it. They're uh, pretty large pyramids. I think they just each one has like sort of a different uh, healing property to it. Okay, he has them throughout his house. Okay. Pretty, uh, pretty interesting. I just can't remember the fucking guy's name. Yeah. Now, even um, so, you know, Drake's jumping on the crystal train. Um, Gwyneth Paltrow. You guys seen her new thing on Netflix? Uh, it's like Goop or something. I didn't watch it because you said Goop. it was, you said yeah, it wasn't she, that great. She's making like vagina candles and fucking oh. uh, you know crystal stuff. Now her company had to pay a hundred and forty-five thousand dollars to settle allegations that it made unscientific claims about their jade and quartz eggs. 
uh, claiming these eggs could balance hormones, regulate menstrual cycles, prevent uterine prolapse, and increase bladder control. Now, so I'm looking into this stuff because I watched the episode and I'm like, you know, this is a bunch of bull crap. Um, I go onto their website. Now, here's the instructions from the website on these eggs. Um, Teabag, why don't you read us these instructions? <clears throat> How to use. Step one, wash your egg with soap and water. After, place it in hot, i.e. recently boiled water for about 10 minutes. Let it cool. Step two. <laughs> I even read this before I practiced, so I wouldn't laugh. I still laugh. Step two. Gently insert the egg into your vagina, like you would a tampon. The slightly larger side of the egg first. Work your pelvic floor and feel the connection with your body by squeezing and releasing the egg. You might begin with a 10 to 15 minute session if comfortable. Build up a practice if it brings joy and well-being to you. Clean your egg after use and before use again. Keep it in or on a space that is sacred to you or has good vibes. Sounds like you're already doing that. So what are we thinking there? I mean, she basically is releasing these eggs. She's got to pay 145k, which should be just more or less a slap on the wrist uh, to her. Well, $30 million business industry, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Is she, is Paltrow basically like the female equivalent equivalent of Aleister Crawley? I don't think she's that deep into it. She's more or less just trying to figure things out. She's not on the forefront of like pioneering these movements. She's just trying she's not to calling demons into the world and stuff. Yeah, yeah. She's not doing okay. like ritual magic and stuff. She's just more or less seeing how she can live a healthier life, I guess, is the more is the gist of the show. But also creating this goop company that makes thirty million dollars selling vaginal eggs. Sounds more like a uh, <laughs> so, Russell Brand type character. <laughs> yeah, so uh, <laughs> Now, despite all this, the rise of crystals continues. Uh, in today's market, crystals are highly profitable. Uh, worldwide retail sales of crystals amount to more than one billion U.S. dollars per year. And you know, I was also reading this article that's basically, if you're familiar with the film Blood Diamond with Leonardo, that's mm. basically what's happening with crystals right now because they're such in such high demand in the U.S. We got these little uh, child slaves in Madagascar mining them for pennies on the dollar, and we got hippies in Sedona buying them, and Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, making thirty million <laughs> off of it. There are other ways, bro. Now, basically, scientific investigations have not validated claims that chakras or energy grids actually exist, nor is there evidence that crystal healing has any greater effect on the body than a normal placebo. Uh, for these reasons, it is classified as a pseudoscience. Now, when we talk about pseudoscience, do we know what that is? Are, we, are you familiar with the term? Basically uh, bullshit, right? For all the uh, <laughs> laymen out there. Well, see, kind of. Okay, yes and no, because I think this term is like thrown around there as bullshit, but basically pseudoscience, I mean, teabag, do you have a reading? No, I, like, I've heard the term pseudoscience thrown around in classrooms before and stuff. I just had some thoughts, man, like, because we're saying no greater effect upon the body than any normal placebo, right? And when we're going through the list, I'm thinking like, okay, well, yeah, this is a placebo in all sense, like, 
<clears throat> yeah, you have these fancy crystals. Maybe having these crystals, which are valued, obviously, makes you feel good. Like, oh, yeah, I have I have these valuable things. I'm rich in a sense. And maybe that just helps you. Like, feeling positive, like Rob was saying, makes you feel better. I mean, well, what what are we to say? Like, anything that anybody believes is a suit. Like, if I, you know, like, if I believe in God, that's a placebo for me. That's what I believe in. doesn't mean it's proven or that it's real. Modern medicine, if you don't believe that it's working, does it really work on you? Like... You got my brain spinning, man. The well, I mean, answer's I, going. I would say yes because they re- they did in fact replace your ACL and you're able to walk. Right, but if I like if like if I went in the whole thing like rejecting it, like oh this won't work, like I don't believe in this kind. I don't know, man. Like I just wonder the effect that it could have. And well, you that can is walk ve- without an ACL. No, that I, is very interesting because that's like the people that uh, like you know how people like get get paralyzed but there's nothing wrong with them it's just all in their mind it's like a mind over matter thing maybe right right well it's definitely that because i feel like especially when it comes to at least from my experience when it comes to the crystal thing if you don't go into it with like the mindset of like this is going to be a positive thing these these uh, crystals are going to, you know, do whatever they're supposed to do. If you're just like, ah, this is bullshit, this isn't going to work, then it's probably not going to work for you. Okay, mm. like same with like a Ouija board, correct? Mm, I think that's different because I think that's just uh, very selective on okay. who, who's using it and what you're using it for. Okay. So essentially what I found basically pseudoscience is beliefs or practices that are claiming to be scientific and factual, but cannot be tested with the scientific method. So Mm -hmm. common examples would be like astrology, uh, chiropractic, alchemy, alternative medicines, uh, certain occult beliefs, religious beliefs, aromatherapy, acupuncture, the Myers-Briggs indicator, uh, polygraph tests, Scientific racism, cryptozoology, ghost hunting, numerology, seances, creation science, transcendental meditation, ufology, pretty much that type of shit. There's actually a giant... Pretty much everything we cover on this channel. <laughs> yeah, it's actually a giant <laughs> list on Wikipedia, and I didn't even know some of this stuff was pseudoscience. Like the Myers-Briggs indicator? Mm. That's just that's pseudoscience. Now, if I'm understanding correctly... And I may not be because this term is often used incorrectly, as we said. Like, it's not. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's bullshit, but it's it's you know just because it's a pseudoscience, it doesn't necessarily make it not true. It just hasn't been scientifically, quote unquote, proven yet or or explained. You know, as uh, yet, as Rob would say. Um, so we got to look at these these crystals with an open mind here, just like everything else. I mean, there's, there's plenty of things that exist that we don't have a great scientific understanding of. I mean, you know, dark matter, deja vu, our own dreams, our, how our own universe came into existence, the Fermi paradox, time travel. There's a ton of unsolved problems in physics, math, astrology, and all of science. You know, just because science can't explain something or it doesn't fit into science, uh, doesn't, I guess necessarily mean it isn't true, correct? So we're changing the name of the podcast, Podcast of Pseudoscience. <laughs> <laughs> Pseudoscience from outer space. But I, yeah, I guess that kind of plays into my, my whole thing. Like, like if I have an experience, like Rob, if Rob swear, like he has an experience and the crystals work for him, he's going to swear by them. 
I've had experiences with aromatherapy where it's where I believe that it's worked for me. But like, if you went out and tried it and it didn't work for you, you'd be like, "Oh, that's stupid. It doesn't work." Understandably yeah, so, so. Yeah. So where this where the term pseudoscience comes in is that like, there's no science that explains that aromatherapy, as it's explained, is working for you. It's just a placebo. So it's like you said, if you believe in it, of course it's going to placebo. It's going to work through the placebo effect, not necessarily through aromatherapy. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So now that I guess we're primed and ready, uh, we got a good background on crystals and that type of shit. Let's take a look at the uh, legends of the skulls themselves. All right. Legend has it. That there is a total of 13 skulls in existence here on Earth. Um, now, 13 is often agreed on as the canonical number uh, in the mythos of crystal skulls, but I'm sure you can find differing accounts. I mean, I've found uh, 32, uh, there's, there's a ton of different accounts out there. Um, now, there are stone skulls out there that are genuine artifacts from Mesoamerican cultures. Uh, the Aztecs have carvings known as skull masks or death heads. Um, however, the crystal skulls that we are talking about are typically theorized to be extraterrestrial in origin or possibly come from the lost city of Atlantis. Now, they are endowed with magical powers such as spontaneous production of holographic images and the emission of strange sounds. Now, I've heard a couple different variations of the tales here, uh, but for the most, for the more, like, uh, one of the more popular ones is that the Mayans are said to have believed that after a great flood destroyed Atlantis, the survivors wished to preserve their wisdom. So they shaped 13 crystal skulls, of which nine were colored and represented the races of man, and four were clear as glass to represent the beasts that walk, crawl, slide, and fly. They were sent to their places of, quote-unquote, birth, until such a time when all were needed to avoid the catastrophe that mankind would bring onto the planet. Well, those obviously didn't work. So that, well, we don't know that it's happened yet, but that's kind of the basic legends or lore. Um, so we'll get in, let's get into the background on some of the skulls that are allegedly from the original 13. Now, again, I just pulled some of the better ones because there's actually a ton. And as I was researching, I kept finding more and more stuff. There's a ton of mythos and lore out there surrounding these things. And I have to note that um, I found a good majority of these stories on crystalskull.com, which also sells crystal skulls. Um, so some of these have their own websites, uh, for promotional touring purposes. So we can basically take some of this stuff with a, a salt grain. So keep that in mind. Now, first one we'll talk about is synergy. Now there's a picture of the skull there. This is a 15 pound clear quartz crystal skull. Now this skull came into the Western world when it was acquired in 1981 by a European businessman and avid hiker who traveled Central and South America. He was given the skull by an old native man in a tiny village in the Andes near the borders of Peru, Bolivia, and Chile. Now, he came upon a small settlement, this is how the legend goes, 
while looking for a place to stay the night. I feel uh, like I've heard this story before. He wandered into the village and was greeted with smiles and an invitation to share a meal. Now, he did not speak the same language as the people in this village, but there was an... No, he did not. There was an instant connection between them. Uh, in need of shelter for the night, George, is his name, was offered a spot for his sleeping bag near the fire in the dwelling of an elderly man. He had some popsicles in his basement. <laughs> uh, There's no room in the inn for George. Well, there was, right by the fireplace. Now, the next morning... He gratefully accepted a simple breakfast and was ready to take off uh, as he thanked the man for his generous, generous hospitality. Generous. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for the generous. <laughs> and now, the elder man led George to an old chest. Uh, opening the wooden lid of this chest, he took out the crystal skull, touched it, and handed it to George. Awed by the artifact, yet uncertain what he was supposed to do with it, George tried to hand it back. But the old man made it clear that it was his to take with him. So George starts asking other villagers, hey, what the hell do you guys know about this thing? Uh, one of them explained that the skull had come into possession of a much-loved Catholic nun in Peru in the early 1700s. She was quite old when she died in 1720, and she had given it to the old man's grandfather when he was just a boy. Uh, well, now I'm calling bullshit already on this story. Okay, what do we got? Hey, George starts asking the villagers what they knew about it, but they don't even speak the same language. Yeah, I mean, I cut it out of here. There was a, a part about, like, he he could basically speak, like, broken Spanish to these people. Okay. So he's hearing he speaks this. Speaks the niche. Yeah, he's hearing this in, like, Spanglish, basically. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> so We're not talking about Adam Sandler. So the <laughs> nun basically tells the boy and his father that the skull was an inheritance from a lost civilization. And like the Christian cross, it was a symbol of transcendence of the soul over death. Uh, she said that it carried the message of immortal life and the illumination that we may discover when we lose our fear of death. Now, it had been brought to that land from somewhere else and uh, needed to wait until the right person could help it to continue its journey. She says, quote unquote, your heart will know the person. She gave it to the boy and his father, asking them to safeguard it until the right person came to get it and share the message with the world. So this George guy... So they, they hand it to them, it's handed down, and then this George guy gets it wandering through the town. Now, he worked in the jewelry trade, and basically he just puts this thing on display, would go to trade shows. He said that it seemed to draw people like a magnet. Um, he said it touched the hearts of many of them deeply, and he reports that many people had strangely exhilarating experiences, telling him they were amazed by the many rainbows and patterns within it that shifted and changed, forming strange and wonderful images inside the skull. Now, at one of these shows around 2001, he strikes up a conversation with Sherry Whitfield, uh, and long story short... Basically, just as he received the skull, he passes it on to her, and she is the current guardian of the skull known as Synergy. Now, apparently, it was revealed in 2005 that Synergy had an exact twin known as Harmony, and according to Sherry's website, and I quote, 
There is more information about the skull's history via the tribe called the real people or the respectful ones and certain Hawaiian kahunas. But according to their traditions, it is not allowed to write down certain sacred history without permission. So essentially she's saying, you know, there's a bunch more to this, but I can't tell you. It's against <laughs> the tradition. Uh, now, I pulled all this from her website. So as we said, maybe we should look at this skeptically, but hey, take it as you will. Now, the next guy we're getting into, this is uh, the skull known as Einstein. There's a picture of him there. Uh, 33 pounds. This is the largest of the known skulls made of milky quartz. And Einstein came to its present guardian, Carolyn Ford, in 1989 from the estate of an explorer who brought back the crystal skull from Mexico in the 1920s as part of his personal collection of rare artifacts. Now, apparently, Carolyn kept Einstein a secret and only shared Einstein with the world when she presented at the Mystery Skull event in New York City taking place on 10-10-10. Since then, she has been making the energies of Einstein available to the public through her website and appearances in the U.S. Uh, Currently residing in Sedona, Arizona, she claims the skull communicated with her, telling her that he is an ancient master computer that has been recording history since the beginning of time. Well, that seems to be a pretty common theme amongst the skulls, right? The recordings or computers or is essentially yeah. like they contain some type of knowledge. You're right. Okay. Also, uh, the other thing they have in common is that they're all owned by... Old white ladies. Yes, all owned by old white ladies <laughs> who wear like dashikis and live in uh, Sedona, Arizona, and probably own crystal shops. <laughs> yeah. So now here, and talk to blue whales. So yes, yes. He now here is a quote from her website about Einstein. Rob, you want to read this one for us? Read it like an old white lady wearing a dashiki. <laughs> uh, Amazingly, after receiving Einstein, I had a dream where the blue whale came to me and said he slash she was now our collaborating partner in this journey with Einstein. Blue whales and crystal skulls are recognized as record keepers of Earth's history and quite possibly beyond. Maybe it's the whale's role to gather data and upload the data to the skulls, like storing information on a server. They continue to send formulas or vibrational essences Through my dreams and waking hours, the formulas are given, I create them, and Einstein is always the qualifier and the quantifier for each formula, finishing the equation to perfection. Now, Einstein allegedly has been examined and determined to be ancient by the father of crystal skull research, F.R. Nick Nasarino. Hmm. Okay. Uh, now, so this is probably biased um, as, I mean, this guy makes his money in Crystal Skull. So obviously he's going to examine it, say they're legitimate, correct? Correctamundo. Sounds like this lady's on a fucking mushroom trip. Yeah. Now, Nick, <laughs> Nick claims that the most striking feature of the Einstein Crystal Skull is its massive size, measuring 10 inches from nose to back and weighing in at 33 pounds. It earns the heavyweight title of the largest ancient crystal skull. Now, contrary to popular belief, Einstein's name was not inspired by German scientist Albert Einstein. 
Einstein's present guardian, Carolyn Ford, said the name just came to her. And she was astonished to learn many years later that in German, the translation of Einstein means one stone. Mm. Um, now, this is a very appropriate for the massive size of the crystal skull, especially if you take into account that it would have probably required a huge piece of quartz well over 100 pounds to carve the 33-pound skull. Now, next up, we got the skull known as extraterrestrial. It's this is my favorite one. Yes, this is an 11-pound smoky quartz, uh, ET for short, um, this is a skull found in the early 20th century in Central America. It was given its nickname because it has a pointed cranium, an exaggerated overbite, thus making it look like the skull of an alien being. Uh, E.T. is part of a cr- private collection of Joke Van Dieten. <laughs> okay, I'm not even making that up there. Name is Joke Van Dieten, uh, who tours with her skulls to share the healing power she believes they possess. Uh, no, now, how else would you say the name? It's joke, right? <laughs> I think this whole thing is a joke. That's why I'm the <laughs> favorite one. I am not making that up. That's like, <laughs> hey, I found a crystal skull. Name's Bullshit McGinty. <laughs> <laughs> but trust me on this one. You're going to love it. <laughs> yeah, now... This ancient crystal skull was allegedly discovered by a Mayan family near Guatemala while digging on their property in 1906. Uh, Joke Van Dieten of Holland acquired the skull in 1991 and allegedly healed herself of a brain tumor with the help of the ancient crystal skull and has since brought it with her on her travels around the world. Well, that's weird because it sounds like she still has it. In May 1999, during a major crystal healing symposium in Sedona, Arizona, E.T. was acknowledged as a lost Mayan skull that came from the Pleiades. Mm. Uh, The Mayan priest confirmed in a sunrise ceremony that Joke was the rightful guardian and that they both still had a long journey ahead. After becoming caretaker of E.T., Joke's adventures led her to become the caretaker of nine other large crystal skulls. Along with E.T., this crystal skull collection has been in museums across the world, including Europe. So, what are we thinking there? I mean... I feel like I've seen this movie before. (laughs) Okay, now... Uh, Yeah, uh, you're a pretty young lady. Uh, let us t- have our way with you. We'll give you this awesome skull. <laughs> now, what is that movie? They is that the porno rendition it. of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we got the Tibetan Crystal Skull. This is 22 pounds of clear quartz, uh, nicknamed Amar. Uh, so back in 1959, after the Chinese invasion of Tibet, His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama was exiled. So the Dalai Lama and some of his peeps, um, they book it out of there. And they take a treacherous journey through the high mountain peaks of the Himalayas to Nepal. Now, on this dangerous journey, a Tibetan high lama allegedly carried the 22-pound revered crystal skull Amar from Tibet to Nepal in order to protect it from the Chinese. Mm. Now, Tibet... 
Tibetan Buddhist monks are alleged to have used this crystal skull for healing and divination. Furthermore, Tibetan quartz is also believed to facilitate access to Akashic record. Now, I was looking this up. Basically, the Akashic, I think I'm saying that correct, the Akashic Chronicle is essentially a theosophical or occult ideal that there is a collection of all human events, thoughts, words, emotions, and intent ever to have occurred in the past, present, and future, which is believed to be encoded in a non-physical plane of existence known as the mental plane. And I guess this skull somehow has a connection or can help access that record, is believed. Mm. Mm. Now, Amar is presently cared for in a peaceful spiritual sanctuary in North America. You have the opportunity to benefit from Amar's power, wisdom, and healing energy through all the Crystal Skulls available at crystalskulls.com. For only three easy payments of $19.99. Yes, and a portion of the proceeds from sales support Tibet and the Dalai Lama's continued efforts to save the Tibetan culture. So basically someone robbed this from the Tibetan monks. That's great. Essentially, yes. Um, or it belongs they, in a museum. Yeah, or they brought it over here to protect it from the Chinese, as we said. Mm, don't think that's right. <clears throat> okay. It sounds like they took it somewhere else, and then it got robbed from them. And now it's on crystalskulls.com for sale. Well, it's not for sale. You can just buy like replicas and stuff for like 4000 It's at a bucks. sanctuary, dude. You can go check it out and get wisdom and healing. Like a lot of them, people say if you touch it, you get like information, right? That's I think it's if you look into the eyes of it. A sanctuary? Okay. That just means some old lady's backyard that she charged you to <laughs> In go Sedona, into. Arizona. <laughs> yeah. it's, ti- it's at the Tiger King Sanctuary. <laughs> Carol Baskins has the skull. Yeah, Carol Baskins has a sanctuary too, if you don't remember. Now, next up, we got the skull known as Sa Na Ra. This is 13 pounds, clear quartz crystal. Professor of parapsychology and the father of crystal skull research that we mentioned earlier, uh, Nick Nacarino. Um, he was in the Guerrero province of central Mexico in 1995 when he was asked to use his paranormal powers to pinpoint locations where artifacts would be found. Now, the story, as he explained it, is as follows. Some diggers who were digging in some old ruins along Rio Basa wanted to see if I would perform some psychometry where I would touch an area and say, hey, there's something here, there's something there, which we did. I went along and we did some touching, and I said, dig there. And we came across a terracotta basket, and we found Shanara. Now, this is a message, this is a alleged, this is from the Shanara website, and this is a, a allegedly recorded from the skull itself. I am a child of the earth, harvested, carved, and used by mankind. In this time and in this place, I am a shaman's tool of the highest order. My past is rich with knowledge of the ages, but I am not a god. I function only in conjunction with human energy and act as a facilitator of communication between the worlds within each individual. As such, I carry the collective knowledge and experience of everyone that has touched me. 
The collective energy is what gives me the potential of imparting universal love. In reality, I am but a mirror, a reflector of what is inside the heart of each individual. The only magic I possess is what I mirror from you. Whatever you see in my eyes is what you truly are. I can show you depth, breadth, and height of your own soul if that is what you need to see. I can break through the resistance of your mind and open doors to knowledge long forgotten. In this way, I encourage personal growth and healing on every level. My message is one of unconditional acceptance, just as there are many paths up the mountain. Each individual has a unique way of walking their path. As a shaman's tool, I illuminate the path of the individual as it relates to the journey of us all. And we'd like to thank John Redcorn for that reading. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, currently, Michelle Neccarino, the youngest daughter of the late Fr. Nick, um, is now the guardian of Shana Ra. Uh, you can you can personally experience the power of this ancient crystal skull as Michelle and Shana Ra are available for private consultations with individuals or groups. Mr. Um, Nasarino, Mr. <laughs> Nick Nasarino. Yeah, and there there you go. There's her. Contact Michelle to book a private appointment. You can reach her at michelle at sanara.com or call or go ahead and call 925-577-3957. Go ahead and call it up. See what happens. Does that come like, up? I would actually ending? be down to do this with you guys. <laughs> well, go ahead and call the number, dude. It's probably like $1,000 per hour. <laughs> now, now, well, uh, I'm we, here for the gangbang. We'll probably have to go to Sedona, Arizona. Now, with our dashikis on? I was also researching. Now, I came across this, what is known as the Himmler skull. Apparently, in March 2011, a 20-pound skull was discovered in the former home of a high-ranking SS officer in Bavaria, Germany. A Swiss journalist, Luke Bergen, uh, said that the crystal skull was believed to have belonged to Nazi SS chief Heinrich Himmler. Hmm. Now, this skull was found allegedly hidden on a roof beam in the home of a woman who was once married to a high-ranking SS officer. He claims that this skull appears to be one of a series of skulls revered by the Mayans. And it smelled strongly of vodka. Yeah, now, as we know, the the Nazis were obsessed with ancient knowledge, um, Spear of Destiny, Holy Grail, you name it, they were looking for it. And even the Nazi symbol was a skull. Hmm. So, you know, perhaps... Now, I, I find these initial it's articles... It's also a uh, ripoff of uh, ancient Hindu, is that right? Uh, maybe Tibetan. I mean, skull is used in several cultures, you well, know? I was talking more of the like, swastika symbol. Oh, yeah, the swastika. Now, I'm talking the, the SS a death skull? head. Yeah. yeah. I got gotcha. you. So... They could have been obsessed with this crystal skull, although I found a bunch of these articles from 2011 reporting on the finding of the skull, but I couldn't find anything since then. Like, mm. I don't know where this one is. I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know if it even is legitimate. Well, or... You just got to go to Sedona and figure it out. <laughs> yeah, there's probably, you know, there's probably a, a guardian. Yeah, you can have a meeting with it, touch um, it. All right, so... What are we thinking so far of these stories? You know, probably just these people are, I mean, every one of them has their own website and is trying to get you to do a consultation with this quote unquote ancient skull. 
So are we thinking there's any legitimate basis to some of these tales or or what have you? I mean, if I'm being honest, the Tibetan one seems pretty legit. I mean, maybe it's not, you know, carved from aliens and passed on like some of these, but... uh, Okay. The other ones just sound like all similar story. They just found it on an expedition, kept it secret Mm. for years, and then, oh, now... Some lady in Arizona that owns a crystal shop is offering you to come meet with it. And they chose her as the guardian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, all right. So now for the coup de gras. This is the Mac Daddy of all crystal skulls. Uh, the reason why crystal skulls have become such a phenomenon. Uh, this is known as the Mitchell Hedges skull. It's 11 pounds of clear quartz crystal. And without a doubt, the most famous crystal skull of all also known as the Skull of Doom. Now, the Mitchell Hedges skull is interesting in that the jaw is detachable, and both cranium and jaw are believed to have come from the same block of crystal. Now, aside from slight anomalies in the temples and cheekbones, it is a virtually anatomically correct replica of the human skull. Because of its small size and other characteristics, it is thought more closely to resemble a female skull, And this has led some to refer to the Mitchell Hedges skull as a she. Now, Louboutin, Belize, uh, on the Yucatan Peninsula, uh, there's an ancient city from 8th century AD. Now, in 1924, F.A. Mitchell Hedges discovered the skull with a detachable jaw. Now, the story goes that in 1924 or 27, as stories vary... (laughs) Mitchell Hedges embarked on an excavation of the ancient Mayan city of Lubatan in Belize, where he believed he would find the ruins of the lost city of Atlantis. His adopted daughter, Anna, had accompanied him on this trip and was rummaging inside a structure believed to have once been a temple when she found a beautifully carved cranium of the crystal skull. It was discovered without the jawbone, but the matching jaw was found three months later, about 25 feet away from the first discovery. Now, Mitchell Hedges claimed that he refused to take the skull away and offered it to the local priest, but the Mayans gave the skull back to him as a gift upon his departure. So as we've heard, this is classic Mayans. This is classic uh, ancient peoples of Mexico and South America. They just give these things away. Yeah, they don't want them to keep for, you know, their own educational purposes. They just want to give it to the white guy that's, you know, ravaging through their village. Yeah, basically, you go down to Mexico, you go down to Peru, you're going to come back with a crystal skull. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Mitchell Hedges himself... For the right amount, you know. Now, Mitchell Hedges himself claimed that... The skull of doom is made of pure rock crystal. And according to scientists, it must have taken over 150 years, generation after generation, working all the days of their lives, patiently rubbing down with sand an immense block of rock crystal until finally the perfect skull emerged. It is at least 3,600 years old and according to legend was used by the high priest of the Maya when performing esoteric rites. It is said that when he willed death with the help of the skull, death invariably followed. It has been described as the embodiment of all evil. 
Now, sometime around 1970, long after Mitchell Hedges' death, um, his daughter Anna let the skull be studied at Hewlett Packard. Now, Frank Dorlin, who studied the skull, discovered that its interior contained a well-formed prism and tunnels for the passage of light, and the eye sockets were perfectly placed concave lenses. Now, when Dorlin shone a beam of light up from beneath the skull, he observed that it lit up like it was on fire. Dorlin also reported that the skull sometimes spontaneously changed color and that hallucinatory images and sounds emitted from inside it. Now, researchers further found that the skull had been carved against the natural axis of the crystal. Now, I, I assume this is like crystal law, correct? Mm. Like, I guess you t- when you carve crystal, you typically want to go with the axis. This one was carved against it, and that's, I guess, really hard to do because it will shatter. So, yeah, if you carve against the grain, it's bound to shatter. This one is carved against the grain. Um, now, here, I pulled this clip. This is of Carol Wilson uh, conducting a seance in which the skull is allegedly speaking through her. So, let's have a quick listen to this. 13, 13, this is uh, the oral traditions of many of your native uh, peoples. My concept of the skull is that it's, and I didn't have a word for it then, but it's a computer without having to, it's already programmed. And you don't have to type on little keys. All you do is put your hand on it. So, you know, that's the skull Speaking through this lady. Now, the story. So, this story is pretty spectacular in its own right. Am I right? I mean, what are we thinking about the Mitchell Hedges skull? Yeah, I mean, I was pretty into the story. I was, I didn't know what to expect going into this. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is cool. And then they started dropping this stuff. And I was like, all right, this is a joke. Okay. Yeah, these old white ladies are ruining the story. <laughs> yeah, but based off the story, I mean, this sounds pretty cool, right? This is, this is some Indiana Jones type shit, right? I mean, yeah, it sounds cool, but. As I said, these ladies are kind of ruining it. All right. Well, let's see what Jonathan Frakes of Star Trek, the next generation fame, has to say about this. Hmm. It's totally made up. Pure fiction. It's fiction. It's fiction. We made it up. We made this one up. It's a made-up tale. It's a total fabrication. It never happened. It never happened. This one was invented by a writer. Not this time. It never happened. It's false. It never happened. It's a fake. It's fiction. It's an urban legend that never happened. No way. We got you. Not a chance. Not this time. It never happened. It never happened. We made this one up. It's fiction. So Perfect. Uh, apparently, you know, this one was one big hoax. There is evidence collected by Joe Nickel that proves beyond a reasonable doubt that Mitchell Hedges bought the skull at Sotheby's. Is that how you say that? Yes. At Sotheby's auction in 1943 for around 400 pounds. Uh, no, that now was that's, just a, uh, that was just a loan that he owed money back. On, oh, yeah. We'll allegedly. get there. Now, now, 400 pounds. That's about 6K in 2020 money. Uh, now, furthermore, there is no photographs of the skull among the photos that exist of the Louboutin expedition. Uh, and there is no documentation of Mitchell Hedges displaying or even acknowledging the skull prior to 1943. 
Mm, now, it's a mystery. The age of the object, as well as other claims made about its making and history, were pretty much all proven to have been fabricated by Mitchell Hedges himself. Even those who were at, on the Lubenton expedition denied that Mitchell Hedges found the skull. Uh, Anna, Anna, his his adopted daughter, she essentially kept the ruse going despite the fact that there's no evidence that she was even on the expedition where this discovery was allegedly made. Now, she maintains that Sidney Bernard Burney, uh, he's a British art and antiquities dealer who owned the skull originally and that put it- made up too. And this guy is the one who put it up for auction. <laughs> Now, apparently, he only had the piece on loan from her father until he could pay off a debt owned by Bernie. Now, here is the story told on the official website of F.A. and Anna Mitchell Hedges. So, in 1943, Mitchell Hedges, he gets caught up in a controversy. Um, now, this is a time before burglar alarms, Anna says, and it was not unusual to leave valuable items with friends if you were going away for long periods of time. Now, Mitchell Hedges did this with a school friend, Sidney Burney, who had always shown an interest in the crystal skull. However, in 1943, Burney apparently put the crystal skull up for auction at Sotheby's in London. And Mitchell Hedges found out the day before, and he was unable to contact Bernie, so he arose the next day at 5 a.m. and traveled to London to retrieve his property. The auctioneer informed him that the vendor was Sidney Bernie's son, so they refused to withdraw it from the sale, and he realized, hey, the easiest way to get this back is to just buy it at auction. So that's what he did for 400 pounds. And that's, that's the story of the auction. And he's sticking to it. <laughs> <laughs> now, so, my, my, can't make word. my problem with this story is it's 1943 Great Britain, right? What is going on in 1943 in Great Britain? Well, we're just after, uh, well, actually, we're still in World War II. That didn't end until 45, that's what right? I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. this guy's buying skulls at auctions when the Great War is going on. Interesting. He's more concerned about his skull, dude. I mean, there is proof that he did buy it at the auction, but I think that, like, she's just, again, she's just doubling down, basically, saying, well, of course he bought it at the auction. He, he loaned it to him, and he had to get it back. Well, this is like buying stocks in the middle of a pandemic. Very tacky is all I'm saying. Hey, well, it, it, the auction is not what we need to question here. It's the legitimacy of Anna's tale. Um, so enter into this whole story a one Eugene Boban. Now, a study of several crystal skulls by the British Museum in 1996 concluded that the skulls were made in Germany within the past 150 years, most likely at workshops in the town of Idar Oberstein, uh, which was renowned for crafting objects made from imported Brazilian quartz in the late 19th century. Mm. Further research by the Smithsonian concluded that several crystal skulls popular with new agers originated with Eugene Boban. Uh, this guy was a Frenchman of dubious character. <laughs> uh, Boban was an antiquities dealer specializing in Mexico City between 1860 and 1880. Uh, and he seems to have acquired multiple skulls from a source in Germany. 
And then just flips them saying that they're from Mexico. Yes. Now, Jane Walsh of the Smithsonian, uh, she apparently went on to write a biography on Boban, which is the only one I could find. It's available on Amazon for like 16 bucks. And she concluded that several crystal skulls held in museums were manufactured before 1867 and 1886. And that even Boban himself claimed that he successfully, and I quote, palmed off a number of these crystal skulls on curators of Europe's leading museums. Palm blown off on them. So this guy is a classic, like, uh, <laughs> what do you call it? Snake oil salesman? Yeah. He's like the anti-Indiana Jones, man. Yeah. He's trying to give stuff to the museum, and this guy's like, oh, I'm not going to tell him that it might or might not be from an aliens, but yeah, yeah. I'm going to get my money. Exactly. Basically, what I was reading about this guy is like, so he was a legitimate antiquities dealer. Like a lot of the stuff he had was genuine artifacts that he would sell, but he would just mix in like these big ticket items, like these skulls. And so it's like, you know, he's selling all this legitimate little stuff. So they're not going to question the legitimacy of these skulls. Mm -hmm. And furthermore, they can't even test the skulls to be sure they're legitimate. So it's like a win-win for him. This is pseudoscience at its finest. It's called hustling, y'all. He's the original Godim guy. Yeah, now, although, now, okay, so some of these skulls have been uh, proven beyond a doubt to be fakes. Now, some origins of those that have been unexamined remain a mystery. Even the Mitchell Hedges skull remains somewhat of a mystery. I mean, it's basically theorized that it came from this guy, but it's not 100% proven. Like we do know that the British Museum one and the Paris one come from this guy, but though if you look those up, they're not nearly as detailed as the Mitchell Hedges skull. Now they're basically theorizing that the Mitchell Hedges skull came from this guy, but they like there's no way to 100% know. And again, it would be damn hard to carve it to the accuracy that it was carved back in the 19th century. So, you know, there is some somewhat of a mystery in some of these skulls. What, what do we think? So as far as theories go, it's essentially like you were saying, T-Bag. The biggest one is that these are some sort of a communication device. There's some sort of information stored on these skulls. Uh, some of them, some people say that it's an interdimensional communication device. If we know how to unlock this thing, we can contact like between dimensions. You know, the multiverse theory, we could essentially mm. contact another parallel universe. Now, there's also what I think is interesting is the Indiana Jones theory. So we got the skull. Where's the rest of the dude? I want to find a full on crystal skeleton, right? Maybe it is these alien bones. They're crystal. Crystal Skellington. Mm. Yeah. Well, you got to go down in the temple, you know, blow it up with dynamite. Be uh, <laughs> just like Mitchell Hedges, you know, blow up an entire ancient Mayan temple with dynamite and then you get a free crystal skull. I'm thinking maybe we pull a ruse. <laughs> we get a, and we get a commissioned uh, crystal skeleton from a dubious character. We'll go out and to we, Sedona. Yeah. We'll bury it in the desert and we'll go allegedly <laughs> find it. And we come back with a full... No one's got a full skeleton, dude. We go around making a millions touring around, dude. I'm onto something here. You got to cut oh. that out. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll have to cut that. It, well, you're going to track it I'll track it, it down. 
Uh, now, other people claim that these are some some type of energy amplifier. I mean, we know from looking at the New Age movement and the power of crystals in ancient times that they're believed to harness some sort of energy. Now that I could believe it. Now, maybe these skulls are just like, uh, you know, crystal balls times like infinity. You think this is what Danzig was referring to in the song Skulls by the Misfits? Probably. There's no <laughs> doubt. Uh, now, uh, and there's, some, there's some other interesting stuff I'm finding as I'm doing uh, some research on these theories. What, what do you got, a theory teabag? Yeah, actually, my favorite one is that the theory that I heard in the document that Rob shared with me is that a German fellow like, made these skulls, traveled around the world, planted them for people to find them just to mess with them. And even the, uh, what's that guy's name? Boban or Hedges? No, 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 no. Hedges, the Mitchell Hedges. I, someone even suggested that since it was Anna's birth, like 17th birthday, he made this skull as a practical joke just to mess with her. And now she's going around telling everybody, yep, I found this magical skull. Great joke. Great prank, you know? Not a prank. He's making a career for her. He's basically set up a career for her to be able to uh, support herself. Well, I don't think he had I mean, that I think in that mind. Out for he, uh, her, but I think <laughs> yeah. the original intention was okay. A joke. <laughs> okay, all right. So, so I'm doing some research. You know, um, crystal quartz. You know, let's let's scientifically take a look at it. So, silicon. Is that what this is? Yes, that's what that is. Uh, basically, quartz is silicate, I believe, which is SiO4. So it's silicon bind with four oxygen. Uh, now, this is the basis for all current computer processors, and it's even the most likely candidate for a non-carbon-based life form. Mm. You know how you hear mm. people talk about like carbon-based life, and there's, there's evidence that an alien world could have silicon-based life? Yes. Mm. So... Very interesting. Alien life form, strong connection with quartz. Uh, maybe these aliens, these space aliens do have crystal skeletons. They might. Now, I'm, I'm going further into quartz research, and I find in 2012, Hitachi, the Japanese multinational conglomerate, you guys familiar? They make TVs. Oh, yeah. Amongst other things. They announced that they had managed to develop a long-term data storage solution which claims it can preserve information for hundreds of millions of years. The technology announced in Tokyo back in 2012 utilizes a high-precision laser to embed dots of binary code across a tiny piece of, you guessed it, quartz glass. Hitachi solution would be able to survive pretty much any doomsday scenario. They heated one sample at a thousand degrees Celsius for two hours and still managed to successfully recover the information etched inside. Ow. Now, although according to the article I read, which was from 2012, so maybe um, it's a little dated. I don't know if they fixed this not or now, but storage capacity was still a problem as the multi-layered quartz glass maxed out at around 400 megabytes per square inch. Um, that's basically as good as a CD on a square inch of quartz glass. Um, but, you know, this is still interesting as it, it plays into a lot of these, these theories. Um, did they read it by having an old white lady touch it and get the reading <laughs> off of it? I do not think Hitachi was uh, 
was uh, That's the hiring way to do it. old white mediums. Now, I mean, this is interesting, you know, because it plays into a lot of these theories that these skulls are some type of storage device, and it might further help us unlock the secrets of these crystal skulls. Oh, dude, I'm just imagining like an old white lady like standing there with her finger down like your vinyl record. <laughs> just reading the information stored on it. Spinning around. <laughs> this is uh, the... Uh... <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, now... So, I mean, there you have it. That's our theories. I mean, you guys got any other theories, overall thoughts, uh, consensus? I mean, what do we got? What do we got on on the legitimacy of these skulls? Do we think some are legitimate? Maybe it's a combination, crystal healing. What do we got? Hey, if it works for you and you believe in it, more power to you. I mean, I think there's definitely some out there that did belong to ancient civilizations and were made with the intention of possessing certain powers to whoever was in charge of keeping them if you want to call it that but i don't really believe any of these stories that you just stumbled into some ancient mayan ruins and they the, just gave you a skull. the native people were like oh you know you found that so just go ahead and you know it's yours now so just please please take it away from us <laughs> well that could also be what these people are saying i mean you know it's like the egypt like our egyptian book of the dead episode i think it was like it's not like these, I guess, grave robbers, like they're not going to say, yeah, I just stole it from these ancient idiots. They're going to say, yeah, the guy gave it to me. Well, yeah, I know, I'm understanding that. I'm just saying I don't believe their stories. Okay. Okay. There so we I, go. I think, you know, it's honestly a disrespect to Indiana to say these guys were like Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. It's more like mm -hmm. they probably went down there and either stole it from these guys or just gave them a shitload of money so they could come back and be like, Oh, look at, look what I found. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, there's um, videos of the people in Mexico and Southern America carving similar skulls. Like, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So now are we thinking theories like this is extraterrestrial? This is from Atlantis. Maybe it's some type of storage device or do we have any wholly new theories or what are we thinking there? No, I mean, I think still going along the lines of energy. obviously the origin of them is they were created with a certain purpose in mind, but that is probably long forgotten unless, you know, we actually went down to those ancient ruins and could run into someone that actually maybe knows a story or could transcribe whatever is on the walls of those temples where the, okay. they probably originated. So you think maybe there's just some old ancient guy sitting down there waiting, like the <laughs> fucking hey, holy grail yeah, guy? he probably just handing them out. <laughs> okay. Oh, hey, you, hey, you're a white guy? Here's a skull for you, bud. You actually have to pick one, <laughs> and if you pick the wrong one, you turn into dust. Yeah, or he like pulls out your heart like Kali Ma. Okay. Uh, now, what do we got? TLDL? We got a TLDL to round this one out? I mean, I'll be real with you. Everything I knew or thought I knew about Crystal Skulls came from viewing the titular Indiana Jones film with you guys many years ago. So I had no idea what to expect going into this one. But basically, my takeaway from this is there are crystals in the world. Some of them are shaped like skeletons, <laughs> heads. <clears throat> we don't know what their purpose is. You can believe they have spiritual healing powers or 
informational access, whatever you want to believe. Make it fit your narrative. Sell it to a museum. Make some money. And I actually was given this one by an old native <laughs> Mayan man when I was on vacation down in Mexico. Uh, his name was Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, today's episode is actually was brought to you by Crystal Head Vodka. Um, go ahead and pick yourself up a uh, bottle. And Dan, if you're listening, we will definitely plug your vodka on every episode. Yeah, have some crystal drivers of our own. Um, citrus drivers, right? That is very true. Now, for further readings on this one, uh, I want to go ahead and cite some sources as crystalskulls.com, sanarakrystalskull.com, uh, Richard Earl Grant, The Hopi Healer, uh, American Indian Quarterly, Volume 6, uh, theguardian.com, the article Dark Crystals, The Brutal Reality Behind a Booming Wellness Craze by Tess McClure, uh, quantumstones.com, How Ancient Cultures Used Healing Crystal Stones, uh, skepdick.com, <laughs> and Crystal Skulls, The Skeletons of a Mysterious Past by D. Troll. So check those out for more readings on that. Dude. And there you have it. That's a joke, right? What? D troll. Troll, not troll. Oh. D troll. <laughs> D troll. <laughs> uh, so there you have it, guys. That's what we got on Crystal Skulls. If you got any theories of your own, uh, feel free to let us know. We always love hearing um, any theories you guys have, any thoughts you guys have, anything we might have missed. Um, let us know. And um, once again, thank you to all those who uh, showed some support, bought a bandana, as Rob said, the true gang bangers. That's awesome. And it, you know, helps support the show. And um, stay safe out there, guys. And on that, Loyal Legion, thank you as always for tuning in. Um, we do have a couple of bandanas left, so be sure to check out podcastfromouterspace.com if you're interested in grabbing one of those. Um, as always, you know, feel free to hit us up on there or on Instagram, Podcast from Outer Space. And with that, so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> <laughs>